Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, H Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 54 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, alongside my partner Jeff Blum, still in Florida after the Astros lost to Venezuela in an entertaining game last night. Uh, I didn't hear you say slapped on the broadcast, though, Blum. Oh, man. I was a little I, – I'm telling you, I was tempted to take last week when you said that slaps and turn it into a drop that we could use on future <laughs> I may still. Yeah, that would have been outstanding. I think we need to make that happen. I think it's. I think I'm going to make that happen for sure. We did have a weird glitch on the last show. I don't know if you caught that, but I did. Um, it was strange. We were like out of sync uh, by a few seconds. I did finally get it fixed. I didn't even notice it because it happened like five minutes into the thing. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I did until I listened to it a little bit later, and I was like, "Oh God!" I was on my way to the gym. And I was hey, like, son of a bitch. It's never the carpenter. It's always the tool. So you can blame that on Riverside. <laughs> yeah, right? That was. And it, by the way, if you it, you didn't hear it because I edited it out, but at the very, very end of the show, there's another tiny little glitch right at the end where it sounds like you go, hold it up. It's this crazy, <laughs> it's this nut sounding. It's, you sound like a, a baby bird for a second. I was oh. like. It's, it's one of my secret talents. <laughs> I figured so. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to keep up with us. And give us a follow on Twitter, at Believe in Astros. Uh, you can find me, at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27, pretty much everywhere on social media. Um, be sure to leave us those uh, reviews and five stars on Apple, even with Glitch. Uh, if you haven't, uh, please get that done. Obviously, send us your comments and questions. Love seeing them. Question today: Is Jeremy Pena better in the two hole? We're gonna have a, we're gonna talk about that a mm-hmm. little bit because it's come up, and I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to rumble with anybody who disagrees with me. Just kidding. <laughs> That's uh, the beauty of baseball, <laughs> man. Have those conversations. Exactly. So, how is sunny Florida? I know it's quite windy. Uh, interesting game last night. Very high scoring affair. Lots of mm-hmm. fun. Oh man! So. When we when we last talked on our podcast about mm. the first three games that we did in spring training, everything was about pitch clock, speed, uh, yeah. it's uncomfortable, how is this yeah. going? And then all of a sudden, we land in Florida, realize we're calling a basically a WBC game between Team Venezuela right. and the Houston Astros. I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that whole situation, Definitely. but the initial, the initial thought was, oh, we're going back to old school baseball. This is going to be fun. This is how we want it. Dear God. Three hours and forty-five minutes later, I was like, my, my you know, my esophagus hurt, my larynx <laughs> hurt, you know, my vocal cords are strained. I'm like, okay, that might have been a little too much of Jeff Blum, <laughs> TK, and Julia. 
let's uh, let's bring back that clock a little <laughs> bit, man. It was a harsh reality throughout the yeah. three hours and forty five minutes. I don't know if you saw any of it. I did. I watched almost the entire thing. I, I you know, um, and we're going to talk about that. I actually have that on my list about the difference between the time because. I mean, there must have been 10,000 walks in this game oh, on, on top of everything. I mean, it was just I, – I, and there were Astros pitchers pitching for Venezuela, which is <laughs> fascinating. So I, we're going to talk about that a little bit. I, I definitely want to get your perspective. Let me put in a word real quick for our sponsor, Bet Online. They remain your number one source for all sports betting this season, everything from NFL playoffs to pro, college, uh, pro and college basketball. Uh, Go Cougs. Definitely going to be number one seed coming up this weekend. Yes. And the Rockets won two in a row and then got crushed by the Nets. Not all is wrong with basketball in Houston at the moment. <laughs> I will say against the Nets, Jalen Green posterized oh, man. Claxon from the Nets. Oh, twice. Freak freak athlete, Jalen Rose. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, obviously, UFC, MMA, and uh, more. You'll always find latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile app device. Mobile app device. Use your mobile device. How about let's just say that? You, to use your portable cellular telephone. <laughs> use, use, your, use your flip phone. Remember the flip phone? <laughs> get the razor <laughs> out and start dialing. Get the razor out. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLAAV, BLEAV to receive your rewards. It's not 9 o'clock yet. Or, yeah, I guess it is. Um, so I'm still struggling a little bit. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Um, I will point out today is the first day in the history of this podcast, 54 episodes in, I'm not wearing a hat today. I was going to mention that, but I I was just going to let it go. I am not wearing a hat today. And that is because normally what happens to me with these podcasts is I, I usually work out right after the podcast, Mm. right? That's my normal sort of thing. So I'm wearing a baseball cap because I'm going to flip that thing on backwards and go play, go shoot hoops or something. But today... Just a warning, I've got floor guys coming to my house today, <laughs> and they're not so noisy, but my dogs are insane. So yeah. I'm hoping they show up after we're completed with this. Um, but yeah, so today I'm, I'm going sans cap. I've got I've got the locks. Need a little trim? Got to call my boy Tom. And well, him, yeah, uh, in, in honor of Team Venezuela, we call that show the pelo. So that's showing <laughs> your hair. Show, nice. You know, show that flow. Better than showing your ass, I guess. Uh, yes, yeah, I've done so, that before. Never mind. Yeah, well, Wait, haven't what? haven't we all <laughs> at some point or other? So I want to talk about this game. Let's talk about the pitch clock first because I, okay. I you know, it was interesting to me. I've watched a couple of the uh, uh, pre, these spring training games, mm-hmm. um, and watching last night, you're right. It was a bit of a throwback. You know, guys are kind of meandering in and out of the box a little bit. Pitchers are kind of taking their time. But it, I, it's so funny you mention it because I was thinking the same thing last night. I was thinking, is this game dragging on or is it me? <laughs> like, and, and granted, it was dragging on. I mean, it's three hours and 45 minutes, right? But Oof. with the pitch clock, I honestly, I'm thinking it still would have probably gone three hours just given the, the yeah. number of walks and, and the amount of offense and all the other stuff. But I don't know, man. That felt like a long game on a Wednesday night. There, there were a lot of pitches thrown, and that's so. 
just to give you a little, like for me, the, my frame of context, you know, it's not fair to go to the second broadcast that we did this uh, spring training where it was two hours and six minutes. That was freakishly right. fast right. and it felt rushed. Uh, you know, TK and I barely got any of our notes and stories in and the game was over. Yeah, We went into, uh, I, I did a radio game with Robert Ford at St. Lucie. And it was actually an ESPN game. And we know what ESPN can do to a game. They can kill it in every yeah. sense of the word. So the inning breaks were a little bit longer. I think they went from two two minutes and 10 seconds, maybe, or two minutes on right. our broadcast to a 240 break. So you had almost three minutes in between each inning. So that elongates it. And then we had a similar situation to last night where just it was a yard sale of pitches. There was, there was oh, shit God. going everywhere. And they couldn't find the strike zone. And all of a sudden, walk walk, runner on base, blue pit, you know, things started to happen. And you were like, dude, this is, this is not good baseball. Number one, Mm -mm. number two, it's taken forever. And that's a similar scenario that you're talking about last night against team Venezuela is that you had very young pitching. Now team Venezuela for Omar Lopez, there was, there's pitching restrictions that he's got to adhere to so that he can keep the, keep his pitchers pitching in the WBC. But the guys that were coming into the game after Brandon Belak and some of these other guys, it was just ball, ball. Every count felt like it was three, one, three, two walk three, one, three, two walk. I mean, the, the strike to ball ratio was way off last night. And that's what added to the extension of the game. So if you had a regular season game with no clock, that game might've been three hours, three ten, three fifteen. But with the amount of walks that were going around the pitches, the step-offs, the mound visits, Oh my gosh, it, it, it dragged out for a long time. It really did feel like a long game. I mean, and and it was. I mean, it, it didn't just feel like one. It actually was one. But I just kept thinking when I was watching this, I was like, man, this is like, a, you know, a lot of these kids are getting a chance to play, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of, and some of them. That's a good kids, thing. You know, but which is a great thing, you know, yeah. but it, there was a there was a bit of a. It was a bit of an almost little league vibe to it because you know you had Astros pitchers throwing for <clears> Venezuela so they could have enough pitchers. So you got an Astros uniform against an Astros uniform, which was, <laughs> the, which was kind of odd. Yeah, it was like a game on the backfield, almost like a yeah. B game. Yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like. So it was pretty strange. Now, obviously, the strangest thing, straight up, Al Jose Altuve. Yeah, playing against the Astros. I got. I, I almost texted you last night and said. It makes me equal parts happy and nauseous at the same time. Like I'm happy for Jose Altuve getting to play for his country. It's got to be a great honor for him. Um, but also I'm just like, oh, I don't ever want to see him wearing another, another uniform. Just makes Dude. Me physically ill. E- even though you're mentally prepared for it and you like you said, you realize it's for Team Venezuela. So yeah. you know that there and you've heard Altuve talk about it. You get on the field and you see him smiling, talking to his countrymen, and he just—he yeah. really seemed like he was in that happy place. And it, you know, I, I kind of described it as like a twelve-year-old all-star team. You know, you get on that all-star <laughs> team, and all of a sudden, your boys and you're happy, you're laughing, everybody's really right. good, and you yeah. know you're going to play well. And he looks so happy. But like you said, when he came out in that that dark maroon top mm. color with the gold, and you kind of went. You're like, I know. I can't. I can't take it. It, it. it just doesn't happened. seem natural. Oh, it uh, did feel weird. But uh, I should have sent you the picture because I took a picture of him t- taking batting practice in that uniform. But I actually sent it to my daughters on a family chat that we have, and my like daughters basically. were like, "I get it, but I don't like it." 
I, I heard like you say all. that on the broadcast that your daughters were not a fan of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can understand. It was I uh Julia posted like a video of Jose sitting in his uh like uh sitting there wearing his uniform and she's like, Can I give me a smile? And he's just like mm. you know, he does some stupid <laughs> smile and she's like, This he's is what classic. I have to deal with, you know, <laughs> he's, whatever. But he's classic. It's 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 just a uh it, it, yeah, it was just super weird. Venezuela is good, man. It's amazing to me to think that that team is still not probably like third or fourth on the list after the Dominican Republic, who is just oh my gosh, stacked beyond stacked. I mean, mm-hmm. I was looking at the lineup for them and the pitch. I mean, they beat the Atlanta Braves. And they shut them out, and guess guess who was on the mound for this the win? Guess None you got the win. A young gentleman named Christian Javier. That's right. I'm yeah. telling you, man, Dominican Republic, you put that team together, that team might win a World Series. Like, that is oh, man. ridiculous. It's an all-star team. I w- I talked to, uh, I think it was, it was Troy Snicker, and he was kind of giggling about, before the game yesterday, he was kind of giggling about it. He's like, we're going to be playing against a team that has, you know, potentially three Hall of Famers, you know, six all-stars, three MVPs. There's four or five rings in that dugout, <laughs> and we're going to go out there and try and put an organization together to go out there and compete. But, you know, I purposely – I broke out my scorecard from last night because oh, yeah. I wanted to read – it is Altuve, Acuna Jr., Luis Arise, Miguel Cabrera, your first four hitters. After that, you get to the eighth spot where A. Eugenio Suarez, who hit 31 <laughs> home runs for the going? Seattle Mariners, is right. hitting eighth. I mean, what – Glaber Torres – and Eduardo Escobar are coming off the bench. There's not <laughs> enough room for these guys. Holy crap! And they're That's like you said, they're the they're the fourth or fifth ranked, depending on what uh, publication you read, in uh, in the WBC. And they're in the same pool with Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, oh. who we already know is pretty phenomenal. Unbelievable! I, I tell you what, man. Uh, watching those guys, I will say first of all, A. Eugenio, one of the top translated names English to Spanish from yeah. Eugene to a-, a Eugenio is a fantastic name. Um, yeah. but I would I, rather I, be a huge Eugene than Eugene. No offense yes, to the Eugenes out exactly. there. Exactly. Um, but I will say this, it is so cool to watch Melky Cabrera play in front of his home Mickey. audience. Mickey, Mickey, sorry, Mel- yeah. Mickey, not Melky. I get them mixed up. It's so cool to watch him play in front of his home group i mean that guy i mean first ballot hall of famer with without a doubt you know one of the great players of all time and to see him in front of in front of his venezuelan fans that was pretty cool dude he is beloved i mean clearly here in the states we're going oh this contract's too big oh he's past his prime oh this but he stepped into the box for his first at bat for Team Venezuela. The entire stands from where we were sitting behind home plate down the right field line was on its feet and everybody had their phone up. This guy is he is a behemoth of a human and ball player. Like yeah. you said, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, yeah. but you never know with these writers. Good Lord. Uh, but he, he is so revered and he went out there and played a great game, but he, the acknowledgement of these Venezuelan players, and I'm sure it's like this with a lot of Latin American communities and countries the there, you know, just to give you an example, Altuve's uh, taking batting practice. I was, I had my back to the crowd. Altuve comes out of the cage and he hears kids screaming at him. He turns around, acknowledges every one of them. Miguel Cabrera was the same exact way. He turned around 
And later in the game, when they're out of the game, they were all clustered at the end of the dugout. I mean, they were chatting with the fans more than they were actually watching the game. That's it was cool. unbelievable. <clears throat> Just That's that so camaraderie cool. and the, 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 the feeling between Venezuela and their fans was amazing. And Omar Lopez, the manager of Venezuela, pointed out that their first game is going to be against the Dominican Republic in Miami in the WBC. Oh it's sold out within like three or four days. It's been sold out for months. I in Miami, like in Miami, this I mean, is going to be. Wanna talk, it's going to be like a soccer match in. No, you're in, right. Uh, you know, in Central America. I mean, that's going to be. That's going to be insane. I would I, love I've got goosebumps thinking that. about it just because that environment that doesn't game. exist here in the States. No. That is a winter ball Caribbean, amazing atmosphere that's going to be there in Miami. It's going to be great. That's going to be spectacular. Also, just a quick mention, Justin Dearden with another hit. I mean, God. Hey. His, his, his OPS. Is Dearden is, sneaking up on people? His OPS is 1,500 right now. Well, <laughs> I, I, come I, on. He hasn't got – what's amazing about that, he hasn't hit a single yet. I know. He's slugging a thousand. <laughs> like, what? I mean, great. Small sample size. Uh, we always mm-hmm. caveat. Hey. But, dude, like that's a serious left-handed bat. You've got to start cons- – at some point, they're going to have to start thinking about it. At some point, you can't just ignore – a guy hitting with a 1500 OPS, even if it is just in spring training. Yeah. But to your point about Justin Dearden, he's making a big splash. The sample size is small. I don't think he's going to break camp with the Astros. I don't either. But I do think that if he has a month or two in, in, in uh, Sugarland, then you're kind of like, okay, what is, what is, what is happening on our big league roster that we can actually get this guy into the big leagues and that's where you're like, hmm, that's that that's the issue he is creating in a good way. Yeah. You know, so I think you have to consider it. And I'm I'm with you in the sense that, you know, having that left-handed bat is is kind of nice. Dusty's always talking about left-handed pitchers out of the bullpen just to have a nice little wrinkle or somebody coming out of the opposite side. It would be nice if he also someday, I'm not saying immediately, but someday down the road actually have that left-handed power threat off the bench that could come out and do some damage. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, just worth a mention, uh, which was mm-hmm. pretty fascinating. Also, we heard yesterday that Dana Brown now a little less, a little more skeptical about being able to get a deal for Kyle Tucker and mm-hmm. uh, Framber Valdez done. I mean, you know, I know it's that's immediately like Twitter panic, you know, but uh, but <laughs> Twitter panics. What? Yeah, I know. I know. Right. But but my thing is, is nobody should have thought any of that deal was going to get done. They're three years from uh, free agency. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be pressuring anybody right now. You, everybody wants to see if the market settles a little bit, <sighs> which I, you know, because it's just been explosive. That's the so key course, point. Yeah. Cause of course this Kyle Tucker is going to want the moon and uh, from Valdez is going to want a boatload of money. And they're probably asking for, you know, cause Dana Brown said straight out, he didn't want to give out any ten-year contracts, and neither does uh, and neither does Jim Crane. Um, but he did say that Jim Crane might be willing to push it beyond five or six years, which is a first. You know, um, I my, it wouldn't hurt me if somebody went seven years on a deal. But he's right; like you can't give mm-hmm. a thirty-year-old a eleven-year contract, no matter what people are doing out there in the world. Um, the Astros are different. They're a different ball club. They, they have to adhere to their standards. 
But I just think it's funny that there's all these people going, well, that's it. That's the end of it. It's over. It's like Tyle Tucker is going to be gone. Let's let's figure out how to trade him now. It's like everybody just relax. That's all I can say about that. No, you need to relax. But you, it is an understanding with the Astros that they do have a different philosophy. They've been very yeah. successful, by the way, doing that philosophy, very. not giving out the 10, 12-year contracts. Uh, but it's also a recognition that your organization is doing well. There are several very young. We just spoke of Dearden. I think Jacob Melton. Uh, there's some other guys that have been drafted that are actually very good ball players that are seasoning themselves for the potential in two or three years to maybe take over if you don't get that extension done. Pedro Leon. Pedro Leon, the guy, when he gets yet. healthy, you're 100% right. There are certain guys out there where I think the Astros are kind of hedging their bets saying, we'll do our best to get the deal done. If it has to go to seven years, maybe we'll do it. And if you think about it with uh, Framber Valdez and, and Kyle Tucker, you know, even if it's two years left of arbitration, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but then you have them for five more years of free agency. And that's a pretty big chunk of their free agency that you have them for. And it's kind of during that quote unquote prime, uh, as far as analytics are concerned from that 27 to 32 age that you have those guys for. Mm -hmm. So that's why you might extend to that seven or eight year deal. Um, I think it's something you need to consider, but you nailed it when you said that the issue is the market. The market is out of freaking control right now. And I think a lot of baseball pundits are talking about that as a player, you're going, hell yeah, let's boost this thing up and get paid boys. But at the same time, organizations like the Astros are going to kind of shy away from that, those kinds of numbers a little bit and be a little more maybe uh, prudent or uh, thought thoughtful about what they do. I think they're, and it, as they should be, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, they, it's, it's a business worked. still and Jim runs yeah. businesses. He knows. And, and it's worked, right? I mean, if they were, <laughs> if they were terrible, if they were, you know, flailing around middling in the middle of the pack or something, it'd be one thing about one of the best teams in baseball for like seven years running, you know, so I, they don't need Four to of those seven. Anything. They've been in the world series and they've won two of them. They were seven right. outs away from winning their third one. Yeah. There's yeah. too much winning right here to argue with what the Astros are actually doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and look, they survived the loss of Correa. They survived the loss of Springer. You know, they survived the loss of Garrett Cole. I mean, you can run Man. down the line and it's just, it's part of the game. You know, it's part of the game. That's why you have to develop players. I mean, that's part of the deal in baseball. You're always having to look ahead to what the next thing is. Um, this is not like, say, football, where you, you get you squeeze every ounce out of a guy and then you cut him because they, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a violent sport. Um, this is a deal where you have to be smart about where you spend and how you spend, um, and and understand that some guys are going to be more long term players and some guys that you just can't. And mm-hmm. so I think they're they're doing what they have to do. I think it's yep. smart. Speaking of smart. Is it smart for Dusty to straight up say that Michael Brantley mm. is his number two spot? I had a little discussion with a, a um, couple of guys who are, have another Astros podcast on Twitter. My argument, and and we'll see if we agree on this one, Blummer. My argument is that, <clears throat> and we've touched on this briefly in, in another podcast, Michael Brantley has hit, other than last year uh, when he was in the injury-shortened season, he's hit 300 every single year. He's hitting... 363 he's got 36370 on base percentage mm-hmm. you know consistently over the course of the last 5 seasons i mean the guy is a, a basically a hitting machine and in the two spot in the lineup 
that's what you want. You want guys that are table setters. You want guys that are going to get on base and have the ability to be driven in by other players. Now, the argument by the other guys was, well, you want Jeremy Pena to go on base because he's going to have a better chance of stealing bases once he's there. Okay, kind of, but you have to get on base first, number one. Mm -hmm. You actually have to get there. And the problem with Jeremy Pena is not that I don't think he's great. I do. But I still think Jeremy Pena has something to prove in terms of his hitting consistency. He's only played in the majors for one season. Yes, he had an incredible run towards the end of the year. And as they pointed out, he had an over 800 OPS when he was batting second. But you've got to be able to prove that you can be consistent in any position in the lineup if you are going to be a legitimate superstar in baseball. And Pena just hasn't done that yet. Brantley's done it consistently. Now, look, if Brantley slips at all, or if there's any kind of issues, yeah, you just slide Pena right back in there. Cool. But until then, I don't blame Dusty for making that choice, frankly. Your thoughts? No, no. I, I, there's, there's parts I agree with. There's parts I don't. I actually watched a little bit of that video trying to understand a little bit more because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, the beauty of baseball is that you can have these conversations. Yeah, And, this, you know, the civil discourse should be a little more prominent in our everyday life to have those conversations right. if you want some life advice. But baseball is right. great because you can have these opinions and they're, they're not wrong in thinking that Jeremy Pena can be a successful two-hole hitter. We saw that. He is very good. But my question to them would be, is Jeremy Pena a speed guy or is he a power production guy? He can That's do both. A good question. But is he going to be hitting in the two-hole two to to steal bases? I don't think that's why you put him in the two-hole to steal bases because how often is he going to really try and take the chance and risk being thrown out when you have Jordan Alvarez, uh, Alex Bregman, Jose Abreu, Kyle Tucker, uh, some of these other guys hitting behind him? It's going to be less right. of a green light. I think he has more of a potential to steal bases later in the in the in the lineup, hitting sixth or seventh, because you're going to have Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, uh, Martin Maldonado, uh, mm-hmm. some of these other guys hitting behind him, where he can risk it a little bit more and get himself into scoring position. Because when you're standing at at first base with Jordan, Jose Abreu, Kyle Tucker, you are in scoring position. Yeah. And it's a whole, you're one swing away. So why would you sacrifice the out potential out to, to run? Now you talked about Michael Brantley hitting in that second spot. He is revered. He is uh, intimidating in the box to opposing pitchers. They pitch him a little bit differently. He's going to work counts and you put him in that, two, in that two spot and Alex Bregman in that three spot. Breggy's a guy that's going to get on base. You have the potential to have two guys on base immediately and then have Jordan Alvarez up. Or let's say that Alex Bregman makes an out, which he will, and you have Michael Brantley at first base, there's no shift anymore. You have a runner at first base, the first baseman's holding that runner on, and you have the second baseman trying to find a spot to knock down a 115-mile-an-hour ground ball or line drive. If Jeremy Pena takes off and goes to second base with one out, guess what? All of a sudden, that first baseman's not holding anybody on. I would rather have Michael Brantley getting on base at a 360 clip and keeping that first baseman from fielding his position and opening up that field that much more for Jordan Alvarez. I know that their theory makes sense with, you know, steal, 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 and all of a sudden he's in scoring position, but you are in scoring position at first base for me with Jeremy Pena. And Jeremy Pena's power production later in the lineup gives me some hope when you do get down to the Chaz McCormick's and Martin Maldonado's. Yeah. 
in driving himself in, in getting on base and stealing and allowing a base hit to drive him in from second base. For me personally, I'm, I'm putting Michael Brantley in the, in the second spot. I think it really adds some length and some depth to your, to your lineup and yeah. having him hit behind Jose Altuve, seeing more pitches in, in yes. kind of invigorates me a little bit too. Yeah, no doubt. And a lefty bat at that, you know, um, being able to stagger those lefties throughout the lineup is something Dusty wants to do. Um, that's a really good point, Blummer, about p- taking more risks when you're further down in the lineup. In that sense, you know, you probably will take risks with Chaz McCormick behind you because if you take a risk to steal second, um, then you don't have to worry about getting a, the the double plays no longer in order. Um, yeah, so that's if, another if good point. All, and if you're on and McCormick and Maldonado both get taken down, well, guess who's up? Jose Altuve's next. And you're in scoring position for Jose Altuve, right? So yeah. I, I I will say this to um, Robert Land and Sean Bajani, who do that show, really good dudes, and, and it's a very good mm-hmm. podcast. So I don't disagree with a lot of what they say. But in this case, I, the other thing is I just don't think we're going to have the explosion of steals that people think we're going to have. You know, I think we're I think we're going to have more steals. But I think the percentage of more steals is still going to be relatively small. We're not going to jump from guys like, oh, that guy stole 15 bases last year. Now he's suddenly going to steal 35. I don't think anything like that's going to happen. The base is, you know, it's six inches bigger. Great. Mm -hmm. It's going to help certain guys. I think we both agree Kyle Tucker is going to steal a few more bases. But we're talking about Kyle Tucker going from like 25, 26 to 30, not like going to, you know, he's not going to 40 40 or 50 all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is an incremental change, and I think the philosophy still too analytically is steals are still a risky proposition. Oftentimes, they're fun. Yeah, the, the data exciting. doesn't like it. No, the data the risk reward for like stolen it. bases in the in the analytic world is not worth it. No, it's not because if you do get out, then you're out, and that's and you're taken off the base, and it's a it's a, it's a problem for in in a lot of those analytical situations. So okay, we're on the same page about that. Um, I always love the conversation, but it's, it, though. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I like the idea and argue for it because the Astros. If I would, I would almost put not just the numbers of Jeremy Pena, but the win loss record when oh, yeah. he was hitting in that second spot. But right. you didn't have the option of Michael Brantley. When you have the option of Michael Brantley, maybe it maybe Jeremy does a better job later in the lineup. I don't know. We'll have to wait well, and see. And, and Brantley's not going to play every day, probably. Um, yeah. you know, so there will be opportunities for Pena to hit in that second spot, no doubt about it. We'll have some ability to compare and contrast the two of them uh and see kind of, you know, how they do. In those spots, we don't know. It's a long ass season, plumber. It's gonna be a yeah, long well, and, season. I mean, and let's be honest: the worst case scenario is Jeremy Pena moves back to the second spot. Right, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. Worst case scenario is he's oh no, not that, not Jeremy Pena in the second spot. How terrible. <laughs> Um, okay, last thing I want to go over is I want to talk a little bit about our backup catchers because we we haven't really dug into them too much yet. I feel like we've gone far enough into this spring training that we can see some of their numbers. So <clears throat> it seemed like going into spring training that Yiner Diaz had a bit of the edge, but uh, mainly because of his his ability at the plate. But he has not been good <laughs> in spring training. His slash line is... 083, 083, 167, 259. He has two hits, one of which was a double, no walks, and three strikeouts in his 12 at-bats. Look, Corey Lee's not a ton better. 
He's his mm-hmm. slash line is 200-333-600-933. The 933 obviously boosted by the fact that he had a he has a home run. Um, he's walked once, struck out a couple of times in his 11 at bats. So he basically both been at the plate a similar amount of time. Have we seen anything from either of these guys to, to make us feel like that we're going to be comfortable with one of them going into the season as the backup behind Maldi? Well, you know, that, that's the thing is the, is the backup, uh, you know, what do you expect from your backup catcher? But at the same time, is Maldi going to be able to catch as many games as he did last year? Thankfully, he's he's healthy. I didn't realize how destroyed he was in the World Series, so I give him a yeah, lot of credit for me. battling through that. Yeah, you had said that sounded awful. Man, honestly. sports hernia's broken hands. I mean, he had a lot going on, but he's healthier. He's lost a little bit of weight, so I think he came in with the idea of I'm going to be 100% healthy, at least for a couple of games in spring until you break down again because that's just how baseball works but yeah he's going to you know lose a little bit more weight so i think his his incentive was i'm going to play a little bit more and be in better shape so credit to martin for doing that so you're thinking yeah. about your number two catcher who's going to be that guy and it might be the guy that's more adaptable to the situation uh does yiner diaz need more grooming at the plate uh does Corey lee need more grooming uh behind the plate as opposed to standing at it you know there's a lot of things going into this and it's still early there's plenty of uh, spring left to correct Mm -hmm. or adjust what these guys are doing but i've seen Corey lee look better at the plate right now uh the swings are a little more aggressive he could be better at pitch selection but he's swinging the bat with a little more intent than yiner diaz is for me i feel like yiner's Mm. trying to get hits instead of trying to hit the ball hard and that's, that's where maybe a little bit of the difference is. Uh, Corey Lee looks very comfortable behind the plate. It looks like he's really worked at trying to pitch frame and trying to work with pitchers, whereas Yiner's got that natural ability to get back there and show the cannon. But uh, you're right. Right now you're kind of going, you know, which one is it going to be? Nobody's really jumped out. Uh, keep an eye on Cesar, or Sal- or, yeah, Cesar, Cesar Salazar, I think. Yeah, he caught Urquidy on one of our games, and he looked very good behind the plate. I don't know what what his options are or if he's even on the 40-man, but he he's one of those guys that actually looked really good behind the plate, played a little bit better, and it might be because he's more relaxed because he's not really in that picture, so to speak. But, yeah, uh, yeah there's some question marks behind that plate right now and who's going to be the number two. Yeah, it's really and, – and, and, again, we are <laughs> – I remember a few years ago I was listening to uh, – some sports radio station here in town. And it was during like, it was during the the playoffs, the NBA playoffs. And it was on like a Sunday. And so it was during the NBA playoffs. So I figured they'd be talking to NBA playoffs. No, they were talking about who was going to be the backup quarterback for the Texans. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, guys, come on. I mean, I know that football is king around here, but it's not just that you're talking about a situation. You're talking about the backup situation. So in this case, it's like, there's a little bit of that here too. I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking about the backup catcher and Martin Maldonado clearly wants to play, you know, 140, 150 games. That's what he wants to yeah. do. Whether he can or not is, is the question. Um, <clears throat> but it's sort of like the Allen Iverson thing. We're talking about practice. <laughs> it's like, it's a little bit like we're talking mm-hmm. about practice. So I feel like there is, a, maybe we're making a little more out of this than we should because there are, so, I feel that so way few, too. There's so few position battles, right? You know, we're trying I mean, to make maybe, something out of nothing because we need that storyline. We got to talk about something <laughs> up in here. We can't just we can't just ramble on about the rodeo. Although I, I assume you're going back this weekend. 
Well, I've got um, two or three more trips coming. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't just, yeah. So we got to talk about something. I, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of it will shake out before the end of spring training, but it's, it's interesting to see where they're at right now. Cause right now, mm-hmm. whew, man, Geiner, he looks rough at the plate right now. He just looks kind of lost. Well, and kind of, and the beauty of what's going on right now too, is that Martin's playing for team Puerto Rico. So this is right. really about a week, week and a half period where you can really just shove those guys into it and say, look, Martin's not here. Go play. Yep. Go fi- go figure it out. And I think that's kind of where Dusty's at with these guys. He's just going to put them in there, let them play. They either figure it out or they figure out what they need to work on, and they do. Yeah. Well, you see, Dusty said he's going to play them even together a bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, just put one of them at DH. You know, put one. You know, do whatever you got to do. I agree. Get them as many at bats as possible. You know, let them fight it out. Competition's a good thing when you're in yes. spring training or anything like that. It's, um, you know. So hopefully they'll figure it out, and uh, and we'll we'll soon find out what's going to happen. Only a couple. Look, March thirtieth is. I mean, we're talking twenty one days for three weeks. You're on the clock. That we clock are is three ticking. Weeks from opening day. I mean, I mean, it's just ridiculous right now. So thanks everybody for joining us again this week. Um, Blummer, uh, what you got planned this weekend? I feel a rodeo trip is in your future. I know that you're flying, you're flying back today, right? Yes, I, I will. Again, <laughs> we did this last time we recorded a podcast. I will, yeah. uh, pack my, pack my small bag. I will, uh, take Julia and TK to the airport with me and we will be <laughs> on the same flight going back nice. to Houston, Texas, where I will go to a dentist appointment on Friday and, Exciting. I'll, I'll, I'll be at a rodeo at two or three times. I know Cody Jinks, Cody Johnson, Chain Smokers are the three that I know of, and I'm sure my daughters will probably spring another trip or two on me to get to the rodeo. Man, y'all, the rodeo should be sponsoring you. Just you, I mean, as much as all, you're I, all I want is to rodeo. ride in on the horse. That's all. I just want to ride into the, the oh, arena on the with horse. The flag. Yeah, with, just be uh, like, you know, and spike. No, I don't know. I'm just that kidding. is. I, 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 look, have you ever ridden a horse? I have, and I feel at this point in my life, I'd feel terrible for the horse having to bear the weight of me on its back. <laughs> years ago, years ago, we went uh, on a trip, family trip to Colorado, a bunch of us, and my dad, who was a very heavy dude, uh, was riding on a horse, and uh, and uh, uh, my my uncles, my dad's brothers, were uh, they were merciless. <laughs> so, as family I, should I, be, just like they're like after that run, he's the horse is going to have like a back that's like a U. <laughs> so yeah it was, it was pretty good that's this so, guy uh, yeah <laughs> well Blummer, you're not a heavy guy but you are a you're a sizable gentleman are you six yes. four or something yeah i'm six four pushing about 240 right now in my in, yeah. in late in my life I, I would love to say it's all muscle but we know that ain't right <laughs> <laughs> you you can say that we're on a podcast people only see you from the shoulders up I was going to say, as long as I sit like this, we're good. (laughs) Exactly. All right. We'll be back next week with a fresh pod that will slap, by the way, uh, brought to you by Fed Online. I am am pulling that sample out for sure. There's no doubt about it. it. Now now it's going to happen. Again, a huge thanks to all of our listeners and viewers all over the world. You guys have been great liking and subscribing, commenting. Uh, Super thankful for all you guys. So keep it coming. Have a great weekend. It's going to be really hot, but lovely. And so have a great weekend. And that was my dog saying, have a great weekend, everybody. Go Astros. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.